Hello, everybody, and welcome to Web and Beyond Live. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, President of W3 Consulting and Managing Director of W3C Web Services, which is our managed WordPress web and domain name registration service, providing affordable services to small businesses. And so welcome to Web and Beyond Live, which is our opportunity to talk to you about things that are going on in the world of small business digital marketing. And we have a lot to cover today. I wanna to talk about some of the issues that are surrounding digital stuff for small business that I've just been coming across in the past week. I wanna talk a little bit about TikTok and then this is our what's new uh, at Google edition. And so I'm gonna talk about kind of the top few stories that are really impacting small businesses or may impact small businesses and then we have some announcements and so let's get into it. So um, I'm going to try and bring up my screen here and uh, that way we can kind of look at this together. Uh, let's see here. So first and foremost, I wanted to talk a little bit about the accessibility issues around websites. And so um, I came across this article and it prompted me to kind of think about it. And so, uh, Frequently when I'm talking to audiences, I am talking to them about the, the idea of accessibility. And what I mean by that is making your website uh, more capable and ready for people with uh, any number of different disabilities. Uh, and so uh, if, if someone is differently abled, we wanna make sure your website is, uh, is being represented to them. And there's not just a good kind of moral and ethical a line here that I'm drawing, it's more that what is good for Google is also good for accessibility. And so what's good for accessibility is good for Google, right? And um, so we wanna make sure that we are doing the right things to make sure that we are making websites more accessible. And this comes into line in, in kind of a, a number of different ways, but this article is really helpful. And I just wanted to point it out for folks to kind of think about what they can do. Um, as it notes here, uh, one in five people report having a disability at some point in their life. 70% uh, of websites are not fully accessible. And a third of disabled people basically say they have trouble accessing goods and services, uh, which means that there's a huge opportunity here for small businesses to really do a better job and to be able to bring in more uh, business by catering to those people who might be differently abled. And you might say to me, Ray, well, you know, what is differently abled? What what does disability really mean? And so I have this inclusive, inclusive uh, Microsoft design toolkit to kind of show you why there is a wide berth of people who might be considered differently abled at any given time. So for example, we, we typically think about uh, disability from a permanent perspective, but there are many circumstances where people have different abilities based on temporary or situational limitations. So for example, you have surgery, right? Like you, you get cataract surgery, uh, you get an ear infection, all these things actually impact our ability to, to access the web in its full capacity. And these are opportunities for businesses to be able to help those people buy from them and access the goods and services that they, they have the felt want and need for at that time. Same thing with situational ability limitations. Uh, if you are in an environment that limits your um, you know, your, your hearing, um, if you're in an environment that limits your visual uh, you know, uh, abilities, all of these types of things um, are really helpful in environments where we as business owners are capable of creating a better, more useful environment for people to be able to uh, to 
um, access what we're doing. So don't think about abilities in terms of that kind of limited sense of it. We have lots and lots of abilities to uh, capabilities as business owners to be able to bring accessibility to it. Now, of course, doing web accessibility is tough. I'm not going to say it's not, but there are some tools that actually can be very helpful. And I wanted to show at least one of them here, uh, not to leave you in uh, in a hole. <laughs> um, so um, here, let's see, how do I do this? I want to bring, there we go. So this tool is called Audio Eye, and I'll put a link to this in the video notes, so you'll you'll find the link to it uh, below. But the idea here is that Audio Eye uh, is a an accessibility tool, so it allows for ADA and WCAG, uh, which is the the web um, you know the web uh, uh, accessibility standards for um, uh, for the web, and so uh, this actually helps both kind of reduce you know, your lawsuit risk, uh, but also it just increases your ability to be indexed by Google in so many ways. And so this tool actually is great because you can start for free. Uh, they have a free plan for you. It's for one website. You can install it and it does a whole bunch of really great things. So in essence, it runs a scan of your website so you can start to see where there might be uh, components where you can fix those, right? Just fixing the, the various parts. And uh, and then it manages the um, kind of the guidance for you to be able to say, okay, here's what you need to do in order to be able to uh, fix this. That may mean that you, yes, need to go ahead and talk to someone to fix it, right? You might need to get a web developer or install some plugins or some kind of things like that. But the point is, is that it at least gives you an eye into where you are in terms of your accessibility and then you can go ahead and um, start fixing those kinds of things, right? So very, very cool tool. Now, as I said, there's a there's a free version here that you can install. It's for one web domain, and then it'll do all of the monitoring and so on and so forth for you. Now, the great part is that it integrates with a lot of different web applications. So for example, if you have a WordPress website, you can go ahead and just install the WordPress plugin. Same thing with Wix, Shopify, Squarespace, um, and et al., okay? Uh, and so, Go ahead and, and check out Audio Eye and see whether or not your website is accessible. And if it's not, uh, really consider the um, ways in which you can make the website more accessible with tools like Audio Eye. Okay. Um, next up, I wanted to just do a little bit of coverage uh, surrounding the TikTok situation, which is really like a broader US-China trade. Uh, spat that is going on. And this is kind of like tit for tat with China and the US, uh, uh, you know, White House administration. And we are kind of stuck in the midst of it. But I think I've gotten to a core of really what some of the issues are and what we as business owners really need to be thinking about as it relates to the TikTok uh, kind of uh, debacle. Uh, and so this is how I see it. First and foremost, uh, TikTok itself uh, has this problem that The Verge reports about, which is that the in TikTok, you have the For You page, and the For You page is built on an algorithm that shows uh, unique information to the user based on their interaction and engagement. The, the, the algorithm is actually very uh, sophisticated, right? It shows uh, um, the user uh, a, a series of TikTok videos uh, or TikToks, uh, you know, in in succession, and that of course increases engagement and keeps people kind of connected to the content within the social network. Now, of course, that 
has been uh, you know, brought under uh, scrutiny recently because uh, the, uh, the whole notion of TikTok is that uh, this algorithm, the Chinese government has basically said, is a part of um, kind of proprietary um, assets of the Chinese government. And so the Chinese government basically said, you can't sell this algorithm without our approval, which puts a, a, a kind of a block on ByteDance, which is the company that owns TikTok, their ability to go ahead and sell to a US uh, entity. Now, of course, this means that we as business owners need to now start thinking about how our products and services are um, regulated across not just uh, you know geographical boundaries, but geopolitical boundaries, which is just you know something that a lot of businesses have already dealt with, but not many businesses have had to deal with this in the technology space as much as uh, TikTok has of late. Now, of course, there have been other companies, you know, like uh, Sinaweibo and 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 Tencent and and so on and so forth that were kind of wrapped up in the 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 order from the president about these issues. But we can certainly see that this is this is a new way of thinking about US-China relations um, as it relates to business and how we export and import uh, across digital lines. Uh, so this creates a whole bunch of problems. You know, ByteDance was trying to have Microsoft, Walmart, Oracle, all these other companies try to purchase uh, TikTok so that TikTok could stay in the US and continue to operate. Uh, but it seems as though that may not happen now. Uh, and that mid-September, I'm guessing September 15th, uh, deadline from the president is fast approaching and we see no opportunity for a sale to happen. Uh, so uh, what happens is we kind of wait and see what happens. Uh, but as the article notes here, uh, and this was a entrepreneur.com article, but as Arch Entrepreneur note noted here, uh, the dispute also kind of gives us this perspective into something that I um, I frequently think about, but I, I have not talked about before, which is this idea of the splinternet. And the splinternet is the idea that as we move forward as businesses in the digital digital age, we are, are struggling uh, with the fact that while we have a, a what we call the open web, the World Wide Web is supposed to be an open space where we all can communicate. We really have this problem where um, we actually have a splintered internet, where parts of the internet are behind firewalls. Uh, say there's uh, China and Russia and other um, smaller nations that have, in essence, blocked their um, you know the ability for their citizens to have open access to certain types of things. Uh, this problem uh, originally occurred with Telegram and Telegram's fight with Russia. Uh, now we are seeing uh, this potentially happen with uh, China um, again. Uh, China has, of course, been known for being, a, you know, the great firewall um, and blocking content from Chinese citizens. And so now we're seeing kind of the opposite side of that, where uh, the U.S. government will be potentially blocking, uh, you know, access to uh, to to TikTok on the flip side, uh, maybe regulatory wise, but also maybe from an Internet perspective. It, it's it's vastly um, dangerous, I think. And um, and I understand also that we do and should be concerned about the national security threat. Uh, as this article notes here, it says the one economic factor uh, you know, that is understated um, is the global force of, uh, of, the, of Americans' consumers' emotional connection to tech imports. And so we have this, uh, you know, these young people who are kind of uh, you know, wrapped in watching TikToks, and uh, and that means that they are they have this emotional connection to TikTok, and uh, there is a, a clear danger in us 
not being aware of that. Now, that being the case, uh, Instagram has recently enacted or, or released the feature of Instagram Reels, which is a program that is akin to what TikTok does. So in essence, Facebook, which owns Instagram, uh, has created this, uh, this TikTok uh, functionality called Reels. And now we have uh, a, a basically a, a, a copying and pasting of those functions into the Instagram environment. Now, this is akin to what Instagram did with, with Snapchat when Snapchat created stories. And we can see what happened there, right? Instagram uh, stories is now the dominant player in the stories market. And so we have, a, a I think, something to be learned here, which is that Recently, there was a survey done of TikTok users, and 87% of them noted that Instagram Reels is, quote unquote, basically the same as TikTok. And those who, uh, in essence, experienced the Instagram Reels, 61% said they'll be spending more time in Instagram as a result. So the way I read it, and I could be wrong here, the way that I read it is that if you are worried about not getting access to TikTok in the way in which you know the 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 network has has uh, developed. There are benefits to being on TikTok uh, in some ways. Um, I just have not found that for the vast majority of the businesses that I'm working with, uh, that makes sense. So especially in this tumultuous space where we really don't know what's going to be happening uh, with TikTok and otherwise. So from my perspective, I've just chosen to sit back on the sidelines, continue to watch the situation and not worry about getting on TikTok because we have Instagram Reels. If you really want to, uh, you know, kind of use the Instagram Reels concept, uh, then uh, jump in, you know, both feet first. You know, Instagram is going to embrace Reels just like they have embraced stories. And I think it will become the dominant player in that market, in that space for that feature going forward. Okay, moving forward. Uh, now we have uh, Amazon kind of coming up with something that I think is uh, quite interesting. Uh, they have jumped on the bandwagon uh, and really released to the rest of the world the new platform they're calling Amazon Live. Now, Amazon Live is a little bit different than, say, YouTube Live or Facebook Live or Periscope or Twitter Live, that kind of thing, uh, or Instagram Live. Uh, what we're seeing now is Amazon bringing, in essence, a home shopping network type programmatic platform to Amazon itself. And this is incredibly fascinating to me because it really gives us this uh, interesting view into how Amazon sees the future of online sales. Uh, in essence, they are using influencers to be able to do what in essence are infomercials for products. Uh, you have to apply um, to be a part of uh, the, the Amazon Live program, you have to already be inside of the Amazon influencer program. And then you can go ahead and start doing these videos. And uh, influencers basically get uh, compensated on um, for getting more uh, purchases based on those videos. And so it's really interesting. Not everybody gets into the Amazon influencer program. So that's obviously a limiter. But if you're able to and you want to really uh, try and do some influence in a particular uh, vertical, uh, you can see here, this is the Amazon Live page. Um, and so you you go to the page and it um, you know starts playing different types of video. And 
you can then uh, see and scroll through and see all the various types of products, a wide variety of different types of products. Some are sponsored by uh, major brands and some are individual influencers who are just doing interesting things, but they're trying to blend together both organic and, uh, and these influencer type uh, videos to be able to drive sales. And so it's just using the power of video and live video to be able to do this. And I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what is going to happen with it. I'll be, of course, watching some of the uh, <laughs> the more tech-oriented uh, Amazon Live videos to see what they're doing. I'm, I'm very interested to see um, what that's all about. But uh, just know that Amazon Live is there. And if you happen to be in a vertical where you um, where there are products that support the type of work that you do, uh, maybe becoming a part of the Amazon Influencer Program and um, and working on Amazon Live then uh, may, may benefit you. Uh, so it just depends on your situation. But I think it's really fascinating to see Amazon really take up the reins uh, with that and go in that direction. Uh, another quick uh, point I wanted to bring up uh, was that uh, there is the ability now for you to verify a Pinterest board. So if you're on Pinterest, uh, Hootsuite, which is um, has done a really great job of, of giving instructions here on how to go ahead and set up your Pinterest verification. Now, Pinterest verification is very unlike the other verification platforms where Twitter, you have to basically, you know, um, you know, lick your finger and hold it up to the air, know what direction the wind is blowing, and uh, somehow they'll reach out to you uh, once you've reached some level of follower count and activity, and then they'll um, ask you to be verified. Uh, you know, Facebook has all but stopped their verification process. All of these things are kind of, um, you know, nonsense uh, and kind of dystopian ways in which they have chosen to verify that you're a real person. In the Pinterest world, you follow the instructions and you can get your business account verified so that people know that you're a legitimate business and so on and so forth. And they give clear instructions here uh, on the Hootsuite website. I'll have a link to that for you, you to be able to check out. So I'm really pleased to see Pinterest taking a more egalitarian uh, perspective on all of this. And uh, we'll uh, kind of go from there uh, in terms of that. Uh, next up, I, I wanted to just uh, briefly note on uh, the COVID-19 uh, recovery process and uh, the way that I have been um, reading the news is just trying to check out the various news outlets and seeing what they're um, kind of talking about. Here, I just could not, uh, you know, better see the the politics involved in the way in which different media outlets are uh, reporting this. But in essence, uh, the job numbers came out and unemployment uh, is now at, uh, I think, 8.4% uh, in August. Um, it was 10.2% in July. Um, this fails to kind of outline, you know, here it says, you know, the, the, uh, this particular New York Post uh, headline says the coronavirus recovery is slowing, while the um, market watch is noting that we're digging ourselves out faster than expected. You know, it's all very conjecture oriented language. Um, my, my notes on this are very plain. We don't know what the outcome is in terms of what's going to happen uh, with regard to the economic recovery here because we don't have a clear uh, both national or international cohesive plan for managing the coronavirus. We still don't have that. Um, and I blame our leadership. I blame everybody involved, both on the state governor level as well as up to um, our, um, our federal level. 
we need to have a clear plan uh, to make sure that businesses are protected and businesses are capable of opening with uh, with some level of certainty. Even if they have to be regional in, in that regard, uh, we need to be able to have some understanding about, about how to open uh, clearly and safely. We're coming into, I can't believe this, but the, the, the year seems to have flown by. We're in September and we're moving into the uh, into basically flu season. Uh, so I would recommend to all of you to get a flu shot, um, continue to wear your mask, continue to do physical distancing and uh, making sure that you're doing everything possible in your retail settings to make sure that you are protecting both yourself, your staff, uh, as well as your customers that are, uh, you know, patronizing the business. Um, you know, there's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be, um, you know, struggles with people not wanting to wear masks. And it depends upon your jurisdiction on, in terms of whether or not you can ask people to uh, wear a mask in your in your location. And eject people who um, who will not. Uh, so just make sure that you're paying attention to the state laws associated with that. Uh, but just recognize that we're going to continue to have this problem. And just because uh, job numbers are showing uh, data going up and down uh, doesn't mean really anything. I'm I'm much more concerned about the local economies and how they are being impacted uh, by virtue of the lack of certainty on how to both establish, grow, and recover from the economic downturn. So we're kind of in that unfortunate circumstance. I think, uh, and and again, this is this is conjecture because we don't know. But my general belief is that we're going to have an uptick in uh, in cases based on the epidemiological and public health data that I'm seeing. We're going to have an uptick in the number of cases. That's of course going to cause more shutdowns and uh, and lockdowns. And uh, especially with school back in 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 business, you know, schools are opening, colleges and universities have been going back into it, and we're seeing uh, big upticks in cases with schools closing. Uh, so, because of that, that means parents have their kids coming back home, um, maybe young children, without without you know someone to care for those children, they have to then stay home, which means that there's going to be this kind of yo-yo effect in terms of the economy roiling forward uh, with regard to the downturn. So we have some problems yet to deal with here. And what we all need to remember is that the hybrid businesses are the ones that are going to really be resilient here. You must have a digital presence. You must have the ability to be able to manage even if you're in-person business is not capable of being physically open, uh, can you still do curbside pickup and curbside uh, delivery, those kinds of things? Uh, can you do local delivery? Can you ship your product or you know, or provide your services um, over uh, the internet or uh, remotely? We need to make sure that we are creating these other um, kind of extensions of our business to be able to be resilient in the market. And that's where I'm continuing to see people, um, you know, basically succeeding in this very uncertain um, environment. Uh, next up, as I wanna switch over to our Google News. So uh, I will be covering all of the things that are happening in the Google in the Googleverse, so to speak, uh, in my episode of Web and Beyond Cast, which is my podcast uh, or our podcast. Um, and so that podcast episode will come out um, shortly this sometime this week, um, and that will cover all of the things happening and changing in G Suite and in Google, uh, kind of more um, you know broadly, and um, and what's affecting small businesses in that space. Uh, but I want to cover some of the big topics in these uh, what's new at Google episodes, um, you know, each month. And so I just want to cover uh, just this four or five stories that are, are really important uh, before we close out. And so first and foremost is what I think is really amazing, but Google has established this new uh, space, this new uh, kind of 
area called Google Trips. Uh, if you go to google.com forward slash travel, uh, for those who, who are in the travel and tourism space or benefit in their region from travel and tourism, Google has created this environment, uh, which is the Google Trips environment, that's really helpful for people who are traveling to be able to get access to information. So just make sure that you're using Google My Business to be able to set up your world, your profile on Google My Business so that when people come to Google Trips, and I would recommend that you start communicating to your past email database, to your customers posting out there that this functionality exists. And why this is important is because if someone goes to Google Travel, they can actually go ahead and do all of the travel planning, get active travel advisories, be told how to manage in the various places that they want to go to, and that allows them to be able to safely book travel. This increased confidence in them being able to travel means that they'll come to areas that might be affected and therefore you'll get more increased uh, foot traffic, retail traffic um, from those people who are coming to the cities that you um, operate in. Uh, and so it's just a really, really powerful tool so that people can go ahead and see, okay, this has uh, some travel advisories regarding um, use of the subway. This is what's happening with regard to hotel availability and flight availability, local cases, like all kinds of really good stuff. And again, it just increases consumer confidence so that you're able to uh, better control that. Inclusive of that uh, is that Google Maps has recently added COVID-19 alerts um, baked directly into the Google Maps application, both on iOS, Android, and the web desktop versions when you go to maps.google.com. This is really powerful, again, for just being able to increase people's feelings of security as it relates to um, interacting and engaging on the platform. Okay, uh, next up. Android uh, just released their 11th iteration, 11th version. And so for people who are still getting Android updates, uh, we will be moving to Android 11 from Android 10 to 11 now. And uh, those folks who are on the Pixel line, as well as some of the other, um, you know, Premier partners are getting the first notifications of Android 11 uh, to be rolling out. Um, with that, Android 11 brings some really interesting pieces. One is your ability to have message bubbles. So instead of you being taken away from a conversation to another app, to another app, to another app, those little bubbles will now float on your Android screen and allow you to be able to have those conversations in a little dedicated uh, bubble section. Um, I've been using that with Facebook messages and a couple of other applications that support it. And it's been really nice to basically have those pieces there. Next is uh, they are creating a dedicated section for message notifications. So if you're using WhatsApp and Telegram and Facebook Messenger and uh, Android messages and so on and so forth, they will now be aggregated into a section where you'll have control over those particular messages so that you can uh, keep all of your messaging-based notifications together. Uh, and then the next biggest thing that I think is coming to uh, Android 11 for businesses is screen recording. You will now be able to capture uh, and record both microphone uh, and your device sound uh, inside of the Android 11 environment, meaning that you can do uh, demonstrations, you can show your uh, your website on your, um, you know, record a, a, a screen share of your website or other kinds of things if you're, if you're developing a mobile application or just showing documentation and going over it. You can now do that all from your phone, which I think is just going to be amazing for businesses. So very excited to see 
uh, Android 11 coming to uh, the ecosystem. Okay, next up, uh, this is important just from a whoops. This is important just from a kind of a management perspective. But I, as I see it, what Google is doing or what any of the major companies are doing in our country, at least in the US, it's important for us to pay attention to what they're doing so that we can see how maybe to follow. And one of the things that Google is doing is that they've told their employees to take Friday off as a quote unquote collective well-being holiday during the pandemic. Now there has been obvious conversations in the HR world um, for the better part of a decade now about going to a four-day work week. And there have been several companies, uh, Stefan Arstall, um, his uh, paddleboards company, they went to a four-day work week and saw a uh, a pretty nice uptick in productivity and their ability to still maintain profits uh, and, and and continue to grow. I mean, they were they've been growing um, notwithstanding. And so uh, this just is kind of the next iteration of that. I think that uh, we we have to understand that the industrial revolution and Henry Ford forcing uh, the idea of the five day work week on his employees so that they would go out and spend money uh, and buy cars and do those kinds of things um, really ushered in a whole new concept of um, liberalism in at least the United States, but it then spread to the rest of the world. And um, and so liberalism being you know free living, our ability to live a free um, you know life. Um, and so when we think about that from that perspective, Google is kind of pushing the envelope here in that next step, where it'd be really amazing to see a four-day work week with people still um, establishing the same amount of work and so on and so forth, um, same uh, labor productivity established, even though they're um, taking off an additional day. So to be determined, but I think as a small business, if you're in the service industry especially, uh, you might want to test out what this looks like. Uh, a case in point, W3 Consulting, we have um, been doing a four-day work week throughout the summers for several years now. Um, and that's actually been really, really useful. People want to be able to take vacations. They don't want to have as much vacation time taken. And um, this has given everyone just a little bit of reprieve um, during what are the hot, hotter months of the year. And um, and it gives people kind of a nice uh, balance. You know, the kids can go, uh, you know, for three-day weekends to grandma and grandpa's when it wasn't the pandemic, um, those kinds of things. So. I think it's really, really great. It hasn't impacted us uh, really in any way, shape or form uh, in terms of profitability. And so uh, certainly something that people can start considering and thinking about um, going forward. Um, and this is actually going to be my primary topic for the um, for what's new at Google, um, uh, my, my uh, latest edition on the podcast. But um, as you may or may not be aware, uh, Google has been uh, waiting for the Justice Department in the United States to file its uh, antitrust suit uh, against um, against Google, uh, that is Alphabet. And so, of course, that means that uh, you know, search how digital advertising is done, uh, how we interact with the various applications that Google has created, like Google Maps and and Google Trips and so on and so forth, are really um, you know. Um, structured for us you know when this if if for some reason uh google is broken up um this is really going to have a major impact on small business and so i'll be discussing all of the kind of pieces of the case uh what's currently happening in that space and um what we can expect uh from uh you know a change in how google is really seen and um and understood to be seen in the world if for some reason uh, this antitrust suit is successful. So that's going to be kind of the big crux of what I talk about on um, the upcoming uh, Web and Beyond cast for what's new at Google uh, for September 
2020. Um, with that, just a, a, a brief announcement. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I have just recently launched a new online community, a new digital community. Uh, it is called Web and Beyond Community, just like Web and Beyond Live and Web and Beyond Cast. Uh, we have now Web and Beyond Community. So if you go to www, you have to put in the www, www.webandbeyondcommunity.com. I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, web and beyond dot community. Dot community is the top level domain. So it is dot community. So web and beyond dot community. Uh, it will take you to our new digital community. You can uh, apply. I have to approve everybody who joins. So go ahead and just apply and you can go ahead and join us. Uh, but web and beyond community is a place for you to be able to um, interact and engage. Um, you will see that I am posting all kinds of fun uh, questions and topics and things that I'm coming across that I think are useful to folks. I'll be putting up some polls, as you can see. Uh, you'll see latest episodes of Web and Beyond Cast are posted there, uh, and um, other items that I'm actually adding to our resources library. So you can see here, um, I recently you know, wrote up a, an article on the importance of website analytics. Uh, you'll see that I also post our upcoming, um, our, our most recently published uh, Web and Beyond Live, so you can watch replays of them there. So it's just a great place to centralize all those things. We have fun groups that are 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 um, forming. So I've got groups that I've got um, you know upcoming for you, uh, but you can just kind of check it out and and dive in. I will be doing a a. A virtual tour soon and putting that into the member handbook. So when you join, you'll see that there is a uh, welcome uh, article and covers our kind of ground rules for the community, but then also we have a member handbook and that member handbook is is very useful. So, so check that out and I will be doing uh, kind of a you know, 15, 20 minute uh, virtual tour of the space so you can get used to what the community is all about. But I'd love to have everybody um, watching join us and uh, you know jump into the conversation uh, if you're a small business owner. So with that, uh, thank you all for joining me for this Web and Beyond Live uh, and uh, you know sticking with me. I know we, we went over by a couple of minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we've come to our uh, the end of our time together this week. If you enjoyed the live stream, feel free to click the, the thumbs up. Or if you've enjoyed the video, watching it in the replay, feel free to click the thumbs up icon. That helps us uh, make new small business friends. It shows to the algorithm that you liked it and maybe other people will as well. And so thank you. If you have a question, leave a comment in the video. I'll be happy to answer your questions. Um, feel free to come over to Web and Beyond Community and ask your question there inside the community. Uh, you can also tweet or message me at W3Consulting, W, the number three consulting on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter, so you can usually find me there. And you can join us usually every Monday, uh, typically at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can see for the um, federal holiday here, um, we moved it to Wednesday, but typically we're Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern and uh, join us for the live version of this if you want to. Um, thanks so much for spending this Web and Beyond Live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and W3C Web Services. Here's to the rest of your week ahead, uh, marketing and managing on the Web and Beyond. Take care, everybody.